Okay, well, good good first Monday of the month, everybody. This is Monty Moran. I'm a Young Living Silver. I hijack Jen Springer's Monday Night Calls every first Monday of the month. And with that, I always like to, have, to bring in really cool people just to kind of change things up. Anybody who's new to this call, you can go to OurSimpleTraining.com, find the Monday Night Calls tab, and we have a whole list of calls on there. I know Jen's trying to clean that up and see if she can get rid of some that uh, are old and outdated. So if you're looking for really golden gems on those calls, uh, I'd do so probably in the next within the next month because I know she's trying to clean house. A few announcements. So Young Living Corporate is actually becoming to Fargo tomorrow, April 7th, from 7 to 9 p.m. And it's at the Hilton Garden Inn. And if it's too late to get tickets, I'd say don't worry about it. Just show up. We'll figure it out. I'll be there helping them out so we can sort everybody out and, and get things on the way. And also, uh, May 2nd, I have FargoSuperSaturday.com coming up. And that's an event that I do spring and fall. And with that, basically what I try to do is, is I always change it up. Like last fall, I brought the Ula guys in. This time around, I'm bringing in some really cool people. For instance, like Mark Lindquist that will be on the call. And uh, i got a whole bunch of other people. And this one is basically going to be a business summit where we're going to be talking about, you know, how do you set up a really cool expo booth? Uh, they'll have one gal talk about how do you take care of yourself? She's a massage therapist and she does a lot of yoga and Thai massage type stuff. So she'll talk about, you know, cause a lot of us are one person businesses or maybe two people, but you know, if, if we start to fall back on our health, our businesses are going to, are not going to do as well. So we're kind of like the pinnacle or the, the keystone of our business. She'll talk about how, you know, basic, simple things you can take care of yourself uh, every single day, valuable information. Jen Springer is actually going to do a life hack and her passion right now has been lab results and how to read lab results. And so she's picked out two, she's just going to do thyroid and adrenal glands and how to uh, look for lab, lab results and which ones to take and which ones not to take. You know, some doctors only do a TSH and that doesn't mean anything. There's more information that's that you need to figure out what's going on. So she'll talk about those life hacks because every, every, everyone's going to eventually have to do some sort of lab test and she can kind of help you uh, figure out what's going on with your labs. Then we'll take a break and then Tasha Rolfs will be starting off in the afternoon. She is a speech coach. She has her own website and she her main business is teaching people how to own the room whether it's, you know, a 60-second elevator pitch, whether it's, a, you know, a five-minute lunch and learn quick, you know, here's what I do, this is that kind of deal, or talking in front of a room of, you know, 400 people. Like, how do you how do you own the room between 400 people or just one-on-ones? And she's phenomenal with helping people master their own inner voice and, and express themselves in a very meaningful conversation. Uh, and then after that, I have Zenaida Lorenzo, and she's been on the call a few times. She's She'll warp your mind. I mean, she gets into, you know, how gritty are you? Because I know the Asians are really gritty. They can stay with something for a long time. They're looking for the long-term results versus many Americans. If it doesn't work out in two weeks, they're on to the next. So she talks about that. And she talks about, you know, what goes on in someone's mind when they succeed or what goes on in someone's mind when they fail and how to work through those those inner conflicts and how to boost yourself up so you can keep going with your business. And then my man, Mark Lindquist, is going to finish 
the, after, the, the afternoon with his passion talk. And I'm so excited about that. But before I get into Mark, everyone's going to say, so what are, what are the, promo, the promos for this month? So let me fire these off real quick. For 190 PV, you get a 5 mil lavender. And if you're on the Century Awards, you'll get a bonus 5 mil wintergreen. And with the, the 250 PV, you get the 5 mil lavender plus a thief spray. And then, of course, if you're on the Century Awards, that you get the 5 mil of wintergreen. Wintergreen is phenomenal because you're talking about people getting back in shape right now, aches and pains. Wintergreen basically is a natural version of aspirin. And then for the 300 PV, uh, we have the, the lavender again, thief spray. And then you get 10% back in the Century Rewards points. And you can earn up to uh, 50 points on that one, depending on how much you put in your order. But uh, really phenomenal rewards this month. Exciting. I've already got mine in, so I'm waiting for my surprises to come in. Always fun to see your orders come in, but let's get into this because I know me and me and Mark will probably talk for you know we won't go past eight o'clock, but the conversations that we have in our coffee talks, man, who knows where this is going to go? So, Mark, welcome to the call. This will be fun, buddy. Everybody, this is Mark Lindquist. Hello, Mark. Oh, he says he's on. I don't see him on. Hold on. We might have to do this the old-fashioned way. Mark, you on, buddy? All right, let's do this. Can you hear me now, Monty? Can you hear me now, Monty? Okay, say it one more time. I got it. Mark Lindquist here. Sweet. Out of boy. Cool. You, user Sometimes error. The... Totally my fault. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the call. Thanks for having me. Glad to be with everybody. Yeah, this will be fun. So maybe just to start off, uh, just tell us, you know, because I mentioned my Fargo Super Saturday thing and your passion talk. Let's start with that because, you know, that's a really cool thing and. and Anybody who knows you, they know you about your passion talk. Yeah. And Can you just um, kind of touch on that? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's my pleasure to be here tonight. I don't know if everybody on the call has uh, maybe been exposed to some of my material or, or seen some of my speeches around the country. Uh, real quick on me, I'm a motivational speaker. I get to travel around the country and, and uh, help people find their passion, help people maybe either discover it for the first time or reignite it, uh, maybe after being years dormant. Um, you know, world touring entertainer. I've been on uh, a couple TV shows, performed for a million people live throughout my career, and um, really able to uh, to lead other people to through the process of discovering that passion. Uh, whether you're a young professional, maybe in your 20s, maybe you're a, a middle part of your life, or even the retirees who are trying to reinvent themselves in retirement, um, we're excited about spreading the message. We wrote a book about it. Um, and we're excited to say that our book called Passion, Eight Steps to Find Yours, the sales of that book outpaced 95% of uh, sales of all books in America last year. So nice. we're getting some traction, and uh, we're excited to share the message with you guys on May 2nd. Cool. And then, so how did you come up with this idea with the Passion Talk? You know, it's kind of been in development, you know, really, for the for the better part of my adult life, you know, really kind of just – 
uh, after being all over the world and seeing how other people do it in other parts of the world and understanding that, you know, maybe the way we do it in America uh, or that maybe in our society isn't necessarily the way it should be done. You know, I think uh, we're putting a lot of pressure on young people, 16, 18 years old, to make decisions uh, when we ask them questions like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do with your future? And I look at it and say, I'm, if I'm 16 years old and I get asked a question like that, I just, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was that young. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure when I speak to to students at school assemblies, and, and I say, what's the, what's the most annoying question you ever got asked? And without <laughs> a doubt, they always say, well, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do with your future? Every high school senior is being inundated with that question when I don't know if you're equipped to do that. You know, think about it. If you're, if you're 18 years old, you've lived life under somebody else's roof and rules for 18 years, and now you're being asked to make decisions about college major or career that are going to affect you for the next 60 years. But even though I thought I knew everything when I was 16 years old, I mean, today I look back and I would say to that same 16-year-old kid, you know what, Mark, maybe you shouldn't bet the farm on everything that you thought you knew <laughs> back when you were 16. And so I would like to see our society just take a, take a moment to say, all right, age 16 through 30, we need to change the way we, we go through those years and progress through, through young adulthood. Um, because sadly, the reason why we wrote the book is, is Gallup and Deloitte and uh, Florida State University and, 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 and many other institutions have done research on how many people in America truly are involved in their passion, do that for a living or, or even know what that is. And sadly, it's, you know, it's about 11 to 20% of the population can honestly look me in the eye and say, yes, I have passion for what I do. And so that means that over 80% of the rest of the population are spending 2,080 hours a year doing something they don't have any passion for. And so we and my company, we said, you know, we, we can't stand for that. So we're out to, uh, out to change that. You know, that's a big deal because I'm thinking back, I had no clue what I want to do. I know my parents said, hey, you'd be a great engineer. So they sent me to NDSU, North Dakota State, and said, you know, go be an engineer. Well, I came out with pre-med. So that's kind of how that worked. Right. You know, I, <laughs> one of my favorite lines is, is uh, you know, I, I called, you mentioned the TED Talk uh, um, in your email and had been good, uh, had the good fortune to give a couple TED Talks over the years. And, um one of my talks was called The Most Uninformed Decision You'll Ever Make. So in that talk, my, my favorite <laughs> line is I say, choosing a major in college is the worst blind date you'll ever go on, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, where, where do you even start, you know? And, and, and so then nothing wrong with college, and I think that's something that you probably need if, if, if people want to, uh, you know, uh, uh, succeed in, in society and, uh, with the ideas they have about success, but I mean, really, I'm 18 years old, and you're telling me to pick a major that's going to affect me for the next 50 years, and, you know, studies show you're going to change majors three, four, five times. Um, if you make it through a four-year degree and you didn't change majors, and you make it through in four years, I don't know, I think, I think you're a unicorn. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you're a mythical object that just that doesn't exist. Nobody is doing that today. No, not unless they're a student that's older than average that, you know, waited until right. they 
they figured out, well, this is what I want to do. And then they went back to school and said, now I want to learn how to do this because now I figured out what I want to do. Right. So we're Versus, coaching you know, people. It's backwards when you think, hey, figure out how this works and then see if you want to do it. <laughs> right. Does that work? And that's what no. That's why you end up with the midlife crisis. That's why you end up with people um, wanting something different. Um, and I think that's the great thing about the people on this call right now. That's why maybe some people are, are involved in your business, Monty, where they say, you know what? The process that I went through to, to find my vocation or job, it, 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 it didn't necessarily work. I want something more. Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to build my own business. I want to have the ownership. I want to have the say this time. And that's why I think an opportunity like yours is so attractive. I agree. It gives people a chance to, you know, get into it and, and do their own thing and still work on their skills as a business owner without having a huge business debt. You know, it's Absolutely. Absolutely. Great opportunity. Yeah, I love it. I love doing it. <laughs> Um, you know, okay, so we kind of touched on TED Talk. You know what? I was going to get up and do my two-minute pitch, but I uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just didn't do it, probably because it was still kind of forming in my head, and I think sure. in the last two weeks I've had more input. You know, because I'll see something or I'll hear something from somebody, I'm like, that's what I needed for my talk. That's why I didn't do it. Sure. But we kind of talk about the same stuff, and it's really cool because here's my idea for my TED Talk, and not – that I have 18 minutes prepared, but you know, my thing is, all right, so what is Ted talk? Ted is T is technology. E is entertainment and D is design. And so I was thinking this is, this is life. And so think about a video game where you can be one of three people. You can be the designer of the game, or you could be the, the first person, you know, the person that's actually the character in the game where you, you go through and you either build things or you're connecting with other people or other things or you're just exploring. Or you could just be the extra. And I shouldn't say just because extras are a very important thing. It's just it's like your support staff. I mean, imagine an ocean scene without any fish or imagine a city scene and there's no, no people on, on the streets or in the cars. We mm-hmm. need the extras. But now it's like, all right, so if you lay that out, who do you want to be? Because you have a choice. Do you want to design your own world? Do you want to hmm. just dive in and explore and connect and, and build things? Or do you want to just kind of sit back to this life and, and just say, yeah, I'm, I'm in it. You know, I'm over here, but you know, don't worry about me. I'm just here to support you. Where do you fit in that thing? So that's just watch. I'll have a Ted talk on that one. It's been, it's been building up. I love it. I love it. And, and I think as I speak to the masses, you know, we probably deliver our Passion 8 Steps keynote to, I don't know, two or 3,000 people a month all over the country. And, and, and really what I'm looking for is I'm looking for people who, are, who want to be the designers, you know, who want to say, okay, here's my life and here's how it has ended up so far. But I, at one time in my life or now, I want more. I want, I want to take the reins and I want to say, you know what, even though I'm 45 years old, even though I'm 55 years old, I, I can do something about it and I can go find my passion. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, giving this talk to a bunch of gray-haired, like, like old ladies, church ladies, right? And uh, <laughs> I don't know, the average age was probably really 75 or 80 in the room. Um, I was the youngest by four or five decades. And so I'm talking to them about finding your passion and, and reinventing yourself, right? And, and after the talk, 
a little old lady, I, she's got to be 80 years old, comes up to me with kind of a tear in her eye, grabs my cheek like little old ladies do, and <laughs> says, thank you, thank you, I'm not done yet. And I think, man, I mean, she got it. That, that It's that old saying, you know, none of us can go back and create a new beginning, but we can all start today and create a new ending. So if you want to be that designer in your life, you know, this is, this is what we're doing all over the country is we're igniting a passion inside people and saying, you know what, it's not too late. And, and, and all of the, 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 the things that led you to where you are today, it just might be able, all of that might have happened so that you can, you know, take this next step. You know, be it in your business, be it in, in another passion that you might find outside of uh, the young living world, it's not too late. So um, It's not you know, too late. I'm, you know, but going back to these little old ladies and, you know, anybody else is probably, I don't know, maybe 50 years and older. They kind of lived in the old economy where it was the industrial age where, you know, you go to work or wait, you go to school, you get good grades, you get a good job and you retire 40 years later. Yeah. Guaranteed. You know, well, that doesn't work. It used to, not anymore. There's no, there is no job security and, the way the, the economy is now, well, you know, we had a huge coffee talk about this one. This is a good one. You want to jump into this one? Yeah. Okay. You know, so now the new economy is basically <clears throat> instead of instead of working for somebody, now it's more like working with somebody. You know, and I, I can even think of, I got some friends that uh, they work downtown at an insurance company, big insurance company. It's a nationwide one. And I've known uh, both of these these people for decades. And anyway, this other guy, I was talking about working with the CEO. And he's like, well, no, I don't work with him. I work for him. I'm thinking, yeah, you're still in that old economy kind of deal where, you know, mm-hmm. you still feel like you're working for somebody instead of with somebody. And it's that's not how we think anymore. It's, it's got to be a team effort. It's got to be us, not just, you know, me working for you kind of deal. Right. And I think that's what, especially if you look at, you know, my generation, the millennial generation, I think that's what we kind of um, yearn for. We want it. We want some more buy-in. We want some more impact uh, instead of just punching the clock 40 hours a week. You know, uh, we want to know that we're making a difference and that we, we've got some, some things that we can contribute to the mission of whoever we're working with, not just for. Yeah. Yeah, what, and you know, and you can tell who's a really great employer is because they truly value their employees, and they don't look at their employees as, well, okay, I'll use the word peons. They use them as actually valuable assets to the company. Where you know, if that person was to leave, it'd, it'd be pretty detrimental. It would not like, oh, we'll just get another one. Oh, we'll just get another one. It's no, we we invest in you, and you're investing in us. This is a mutual. This is a mutual thing. I mean, this is how we kind of. This is how we build a business is through that kind of camaraderie. You know, and 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 part of what we're doing with this passionate steps talk. You know, we we give this talk to everybody from uh, middle schools, high schools, young professionals, uh, um, you know, nonprofit organizations and community organizations. But also, we're we're talking to billion dollar companies. You know, sales forces, sales managers, um, CEOs, C suite people. And 
and we're talking about how can you build your culture around this idea of, of allowing people to find their passion, even, you know, in, in their, their current job, because we all know that, um, you know, as you build your business, as, as what you're coaching your team to do, um, we've all got to have a nine to five, or we got to have something that, that uh, uh, supports us while we build our, our five to nine uh, endeavor. Um, right. You know, how, how do we, how do we, rebuild or re, uh, redesign cultures uh, in companies to make sure that people are having opportunities to ignite their passion uh, at work and not just feel like, okay, it's Monday morning and this is the worst, uh, you know, the worst part of my week. Um, <laughs> you know, it, there, there's, there's uh, I know I don't, I don't have those Monday morning things. It's, I, I don't know what that is anymore. I love that, you know, and, and, and it's interesting. I've seen studies that, that the, the, uh, what is it? The, the, the most, the time in the week when the most heart attacks happen is Monday morning. Yep. Um, you know, and it's it's just like, are you serious? This is what people are facing uh, when they go into the workforce. Is is that they feel stuck? You know, they feel stuck by the velocity of life. I call it, and um, because maybe we were encouraged to make these decisions that are long term, a little bit too early in life, and now, you know, I graduate college. Like you said, you you go to school, you you know get a good education and go get a good job. And then uh, I wake up one day and I've, I've got a you know, 30-year mortgage. I've got a SUV payment. Um, I've got two wife and, and i got two kids and a wife and, and all these things that I've got to work for, to pay for. But then all of a sudden I wake up, I'm 30 years old, and I don't even like the job that I do. <laughs> right. and, and, and I think, I think you know, you, you saw it at the TED Talk, you know, or the TED Pitch. I hold up a, a, a stack of newspapers often, and I say the process that we go through to find our job in America is silly because if I'm a college graduate in May and, you know, I got some, some student loans coming up uh, that are going to be due now and, and I've probably got some rent I've got to pay and mom and dad probably just cut me off and, and I'm, I'm a college graduate out into the real world now. And I hold up 30 classified newspapers and I say these are the classified ads June 1st through June 30th. And these are the jobs that are available in my town in this 30-day period. And what's going to end up happening is I've got to pick one of those jobs in, that classified, in those classified newspapers. So I do. And, and it's not necessarily my dream job, but I've got to pay some bills, right? Well, what if yeah. your dream job appeared in the newspaper on July 1st? What if your dream job appeared in the newspaper August 1st? It... it, it, it I think it's bizarre to me that we haven't improved that process of, of, of simply even improving the odds that we have of finding the right vocation or right career. Because I've only opened myself up to one-twelfth of the jobs that are available in the Fargo-Moorhead area this year. So <laughs> I, mean, it, I, I, just, I think we, we can do better than that. You know, we're more intelligent as a species than that. And, but that's the system that we put all of our young people into, and it's a system that we're, that we're a product of today. Um, so there's many things I think we need to do to just slow down the process of growing up um, and, and, and understand that the whole point of life isn't just to go get a job. The point is to find the thing you love. Right. So there you have it, brother. Well, that's, and that's where the passion is. You know, even just going to eat out, you can tell who the really good – servers are because they're the ones that basically they 
they look like they own the, the restaurant. Like they own it. They they know they know the cooks. They know the servers. They know this. They know that. They take care of the tables. They act like they own the restaurant when really, you know, they're the server for the lunch shift. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the people that you know you should be catching, or at least paying attention to, because those are the ones that are easy to find their passion because they know that even if this might be a stepping stone job because they have that ability to grasp it, own it, be mm-hmm. it, find everything positive about it. They're the ones that are going to keep working their way until they absolutely find their, their occupation, they're passionate about. Right. Right. It's, and, uh, it's you know, the ones that, you know, that show up and, you know, they don't care and they might not see you except for when they take your order. And then when you leave, you know, they know, you know, they're not passionate about their job and it's, it's right. pretty obvious. And I think that's an, that leads in, in an additional interesting commentary is that that when it comes to the thing you love, it doesn't have to be your idea of what you love. It 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 doesn't have to be you know my idea of speaking and singing and being on stage and acting and and that's my passion. That doesn't have to be your passion. If you're passionate about driving truck, if you're passionate about uh, you know, being the janitor at your local church or, 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 or office building, hey, that, that's your thing. And so there's as, as many um, passions under the, as there are, you know, stars in the sky. Um, and I have no judgment as to what yours might be. I just know that I've found my passion, and I want people to, to find that for themselves. You know, we, we all know, like you said, the, the waiter at the local corner cafe or, or, or the janitor down at the – at the office building, who just, they, they are as happy as a clam, you know? Um, and, and yeah, good they love their job. In fact, them. I can think of two guys that retired it. Man, they loved being the uh, school district maintenance guys. It's like yeah. They really loved it. And, and so, you know, it doesn't have to, to fit into a certain box, you know, the things that you love and the things you, you love to do. Hopefully, as we try to coach people, hopefully you can get paid for the thing that you love. I think then you've really, really, you've got to really want this golden ticket if, uh, if you can find a way to make money and a living at the thing that you love. Um, you know, but, but just because I'm on stage in front of thousands of people every month and I call that my passion doesn't mean that that has to be you as well. Uh, your passion can take so many different shapes and forms. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, <clears throat> you, you know, well, I guess I, I put that in our little email, but you kind of touched on it for like the last 20 minutes, and now it's basically slowing down the speed of life because some people, man, you know, this is kind of where meditation comes in, but um, some people, they never really enjoy life because you know, maybe they're five years old and they're like, I can't wait until I get into the first grade. And then it's like, I can't wait until I'm old enough to start playing team sports. And I can't wait until I graduate high school. And I can't wait until I'm in college. And I can't wait until I get married. And I can't wait until I have kids. And I can't wait until this. And I can't wait until I retire. It's like, well, what are you doing in the meantime? (laughs) Did you even actually experience life? Because that's kind of what we're here for is they experience the joy and the fun and all the other cool things that are going on. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, slowing down the speed of life is a big deal, okay? I know I do. And I can't help but think about that old Alabama song, you know, the lyrics, uh, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Uh, I, I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I just think that's sometimes what we're all kind of wrapped up in, is that, 
we were so in a hurry to go find that first job and, and have this big boy or big girl career that oftentimes I think we didn't take a moment to say, all right, um, you know, if I go down this path of this career field, does that, does that make any sense for me? Is that something that I know that I love? Um, and then if it isn't, having the guts to make some changes. And maybe, you know, maybe it is the person that's got to go back and get some additional training or go back to school again or, 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 or take a complete 180 and, um, you know, reevaluate where they're at in life. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm recently I've kind of been stuck on that phrase, you know, slowing down the process of growing up. And even if you're 50 years old listening to this call right now, I think that you can take some wisdom from that as well and say, hey, you know what? Um, all right, like I, like I said, I can't go back and start, it, you know, create a new beginning, but I can start now and create a new ending. And, um, you know, maybe I can redo some of those things that I would have, uh, if I would have only known then what I know now um, and, and make decisions that will benefit you from here on out. You talked about, you know, having the guts or the courage. It does, I mean, change is tough for a lot of people. And, and to have the courage to to cause the change, instead of having change happen to you, it's to have the courage to actually make changes happen. That's a huge one, huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, in order to get that courage, I coach people to, you know, you got to start small. you got to start with some small victories that, that would lead you to believe that you have the abilities and skills to go and, and maybe take the, take the leap if, you're, if we're talking about, you know, quitting a full-time job or vocation and going into something new. Um, you know, you got to start small and, and prove to yourself that you've got what it takes. Um, you know, I didn't start performing for – stadiums of 50,000 people at a time. That wasn't the first gig I did. No, my first gig was at Ortonville High School in, you know, Big Stone County, Minnesota, performing for the high school football team and me and, you know, the football team and eight parents. And that's where I started. <laughs> and that's where I built my confidence. And, um, you know, when, when you're starting out in this process, I think that, that you've got to remember repetition is the mother of all skill. And that if you, you have an idea that you're passionate about something or you want to make some changes in your life, you just got to start swinging the bat a few times and you're going to fall flat on your face. And, and, and you just, you just re- remember that anybody who is great at anything in the world, they, they, just, they just kept at it and they kept repeating the process of, of you know, swinging the bat, falling down, and getting back up, swinging the bat, falling down and getting back up, right? And and yep. and that's what that's all I've done over the past uh, you know fifteen years of my adult life is is understood that that if I repeat it often enough and I evaluate that experience and I go back and the next time I grab a microphone I'm going to be a little bit better um, you know my craft is with a microphone your craft might be something totally different but the repetition is the mother of all skill. Um, and you know that's that's uh, that's something I teach when I'm coaching, uh, coaching folks to to present better or or um, you know as you mentioned earlier own the room own the stage. That's one of the first things we talk is is repetition repetition repetition. I agree. You know, and okay, so talking about that. So with Young Living, we have basically nine ranks, and <clears throat> the top three ranks are called Diamond, Crown Diamond, and Royal Crown Diamond. 
Mm -hmm. And when you get to that point, they have this Diamond Express program where you get additional bonuses. But part of that is uh, you must uh, do a presentation in a few different states and then also internationally. And, you know, so what I do basically with my Fargo Super Saturday deals is I bring in people from my own team and other teams and people outside of my teams and, you know, have them present. It's like a great stepping stone and it's a great platform for anybody who's really working on that repetition thing is, you know, you know, for instance, for yourself, it's like, well, so how many MLM companies have you presented to? Well, maybe none, maybe one, maybe two, but bam, here you go. Here's an opportunity. Let's do that. And then you can practice. Cause for you, it's like, how do you talk to different audiences? Like, you know, are they going to be the 80 year olds? Are they going to be the high school kids? Are they going to be the business people? You know, to have that skill to be able to talk to different audiences with the same message that's still a skill you need to tweak and craft and, and, and hone in for mm-hmm. those different types of people. Yeah. So yeah. my question for you, Mark, is as people decide, you know, all right, I want to shoot straight to the top, and I know that part of this deal, if I want to do the, the bonus program with the Diamonds, is I need to start doing presentations. Mm-hmm. How do you get started with that? I mean, just give me like, I don't know, maybe three, four stepping stones. Sure, sure. You know, uh, it's funny, in my craft, in my industry, um, I do something for a living and professionally uh, um, that nobody wants to do, you know, that, that old fear of public speaking, you know, that, that uh, uh, people, people would rather die than, than, than give a speech, you know, uh, a public <laughs> speech. And, and Jerry Seinfeld's old joke is, you know, so, so there's a recent study came out, and, and people would rather uh, be dead than, than, than give a public speech. So that means that if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than up giving the eulogy, he says, you know. Right. <laughs> and and, and so, so, you know, I'm in an industry where I'm in front of people every single day, you know, and, and, and tens of thousands every single month. And uh, my mantra when it comes to that uh, is this. Amateurs rehearse until they get it right professionals rehearse until they never get it wrong. And I'll say that again. Amateurs rehearse until they get it right. Professionals rehearse until they never get it wrong. And when I'm coaching people about, you know, business presentations at work or just they, you know, they want to be a better speaker, that's the first thing we start with, is that the unglamorous part of a life on stage and as a performer and an actor and an entertainer, the unglamorous part, you never see. You never saw Beyonce, you know, rehearsing for her Super Bowl halftime show for what was hours and hours and hours and hours on that stage, doing that eight-minute presentation that she was going to give to billions all over the world. But rest assured, she was there rehearsing over and over and over again. But you don't see that. You only see the finished product. That's what us performers allow you to see is the finished product. But that TED Talk I gave was 16 minutes and 57 seconds long because that's your TED Talks have to be 18 minutes or less. My TED right. Talk was 16 minutes and 57 seconds, and I rehearsed over 60 hours for that 16-minute and 57-second speech. You know, it was it was drafting it. It was giving it to my friends. It was rehearsing it in front of the mirror. It was listening to it again. It was it was redrafting. It was coming up with new ideas. It was memorizing. It was all of that. Because I understand that amateurs rehearse until they get it right. And 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 an amateur would say, oh, I, you know, 
I made it. I, I, you know, I, I made the I made the free throw once. Uh, okay, now we're good. I'm not going to practice that anymore. Yeah. Professionals rehearse until they never get it wrong. You see what I'm saying? And 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 so yeah. that's uh, you know that's that's the first little tidbit that I start everybody off with. If they're going to come to me and I'm going to be coaching them as a as a uh, you know a professional consultant and, and try to get their presentations to the next level. Um, it's unglamorous. It's unsexy. Nobody wants to hear about rehearsal, but that's what separates me from you is that, you know, not, you know, not you Monty specifically, but just the others, right? <laughs> I've performed for a million people live in my career and I am way better now than I was when I'd only performed for a thousand, you know, it's the repetition. It's the, uh, it's the time in the rehearsal room for every hour that I've performed live in front of people that people don't often see. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, if you want to separate yourself professionally, if you want to, you know, if you're a diamond or, or, or the different levels in your uh, organization, if you want to separate yourself in a hurry as someone who is a mover and a shaker, get good at presentation. Get good at speaking because nobody's good at it. Nobody, you know. Um, There's a lot of room at the top, isn't there? There's just so much room at the top. Um, <laughs> you know, so so I go to – man, I'm going to – I'm gonna, statewide or national conference every week and I listen to the other keynotes and there's some of them are good and some of them just shouldn't sit, you know, they shouldn't be there because, <laughs> because honestly in the realm of presentation, motivational speaking, public speaking, so many people fear it that there's not a very deep talent pool out there. So if you have it in you, if you're listening to this call and you say, you know what, shoot, I could do what Mark does 10 times better. Hey, I'll bet you could. Let's go. You know, there's plenty of room when it comes to people who want to impact others uh, from a stage. Um, that, I didn't answer your question at all, probably, but there was my little rant. <laughs> no, that was good, you know, but, uh, okay, so I have two thoughts in my head. One is, okay, I remember it ties into passion, but the second one is there is a lot of room at the top for a lot of people who want to do some speaking because, let's face it, if you're at a venue where there's, I don't know, two, three, four, five, six speakers, what's more fun to have, to be involved in an event where there's six great speakers or to be right. involved in an event where there's maybe two really good speakers and the other ones just kind of were available to, to talk. It's more fun when everyone's really good at, at speaking. Right. We've all been there. We've all sat through oodles and oodles and oodles of presentations where we're like, yeah, you know, that was just kind of meh, you know, okay. Um, you know, the presentations where the, where the presenter is reading PowerPoint slides to you, you know, like that's just like you're so new that that's your presentation. And, and, and you know, I, I just think there's another level. And if you can get good at that, you know, uh, um, I coach people about that all the time. And I, I, maybe, I'll give you, maybe I'll give your folks a few nuggets here. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to a good – say again? So that's what I was hoping – yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when it comes to a good speech, I've developed what, what I call four C's that, that make up a good speech, a good presentation. So if you're taking notes, here's the four C's. They're confidence, competence, you need to make it compelling, and you need to have charisma. So I'll say that again. The four C's to make up a good speech, confidence and competence, compelling, and charisma. So you got to go through those first two, confidence and competence. See, that's, that's the first two minutes in any room when a speaker grabs the mic. You as an audience member are going to sit there and judge them based on their confidence and their competence. You're either going to 
flip the switch in your brain off or you're going to say, all right, I'm going to lean forward in my chair and I, I think this guy's got something good to say. I think this gal's got something that can impact my life. And the, comp- the confidence and competence are really those two areas you've got to hone in on. Now, confidence only comes from repetition, right? If you're starting right. anything new, you know, if you're, if you're a key ball player, I don't care what it is, the first time you swing that bat, you don't have any confidence at all that you can hit that white ball. But by the time you're in the major leagues, that's all you've been doing for the last 30 years, right? So it's the repetition that builds confidence. And the reason why I'm able to get up and give speeches today is because I've repeated them and rehearsed them to such a level that it's in me. I'm not nervous about it. It's as easy to me as breathing and walking, right? Because it's something that I've repeated so often. And if you say to yourself, man, Mark, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could do anything. You know, I, you know uh, maybe, maybe subconsciously you're not achieving the next level in this business and becoming a diamond-level producer because, because you would have to get up and give a speech, and that's, you fear that more than death. Well, <laughs> I think the only thing that you can do is, is repeat that, that skill set. Get out and, and start speaking and, and go through the process of, of building your confidence by, by repetition, right? And I, I'm not the most talented entertainer in the room. I'm not the most talented singer. I'm not the most talented speaker many of the times. But what I lack in skill, I'll make up for in rehearsal and repetition, right? Because, because with rehearsal and repetition, I can look like a pro in front of anybody, right? So, right. You know what you're talking about. Right, right. You know, if, if I've done it 80,000 times, I'm going to show up to that, that speech and I'm going, to, I'm going to give a speech that I'm confident of. Um, so confidence. And competence, of course, you know, that's, that's on you. you. You've got to know your material. If you're going to go to speak to somebody about uh, your young living oils, you've got to know what the benefits are. You've got to know what you can and can't say. You've got to know uh, what might be the selling points. You've got to know your price list. You've got to be competent because there's no quicker way for people to shut you down or shut you off than if you appear incompetent. So those are the first two. And those are the things that you're going to be judged on almost immediately in somebody's mind as an audience member. The third one, you've got to make it compelling. If you're going to be a presenter and you're going to be in front of an audience, you have a, you have a privilege unlike very, very few in the world. Take the way I make a living, for example. I'm a motivational speaker, and at a conference or convention, I grab the mic, and for an hour at a time, the entire audience shuts off their cell phone, they sit there quietly, and it doesn't matter if you're the receptionist or the CEO, you're going to sit and you're going to listen to the words I have to say for the next hour. Not many people have that privilege to get people's attention like that. As a speaker and a presenter, you, you, if you were going to try to book 15 minutes with the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you couldn't do it, right? You literally yeah. – people don't get that kind of time. I get nope. an hour at a time all over the country with billion-dollar CEOs, right? So because I've honed this craft, um, you know, I, I have that privilege, well, then you have to put in the, the research necessary. You have to put in the, the, the study necessary to find out what is a compelling message. In today's day and age with YouTube and the videos that are out there, you can easily find what 
pulls at people's heartstrings. You can easily find what is a compelling way to tell your story. Um, and a little side note, I teach the Mark Twain philosophy of, of public speaking. Here's a little, another little nugget that, I, that I, I teach in my own The Stage presentation. And Mark Twain, little did you know that, you know, he was actually one of the greatest orators in the history of the world. Everybody knows him as a great author, but he was also right. a great orator. And what would happen in his day is, is they'd come up to him and say, hey, Mark, I got 200 people gathered. Uh, I need a speech. That, uh, you, you know, can you give a speech to him? And so Mark Twain would go off in the corner. I don't know if you've heard this, Monty, but, but no, he'd go off in the corner, and, and he, would, he would just think for a couple minutes. And then he'd get on stage, and he would give these unbelievable presentations, you know, two and three and five and seven hours at a time perfectly crafted, building to a point, compelling for everybody in the audience. And, and he didn't reveal the secret until he was later in life. And he said, Mark, how did you do that? Like, like, you didn't even know you were going to give a speech today, and you just got up and blew us away for three hours. We said, revealed it later, and he said, what I have is I have two or three hundred little vignettes, little two to four minute, three to five minute stories that I've perfected over the course of my life. And, and, and I've got two or 300 of them. What I was doing over in the corner was I was thinking, okay, for this crowd on this day with this, this uh, audience, I think I'll do number 17. And then I'll do number 63. And then I'll do a number 132. And then I'll follow it up with number, number 14. And he would just tie them all together, these little vignettes, these little stories. As a, as a compelling presenter, that's what you need to do. You need to, you need to come up with your stories that, that have um, happened to you throughout your life, right? And, 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 and break them down into these little vignettes, perfect those, find out where the laugh lines are, find out where you need to add the dramatic pauses, find out where your audience is going to cry, and then string it together with another little vignette, right? And so that's, that's what I teach, that's what I do, that's what you see on May 2nd is, is this Mark Twain philosophy of presenting. And so that means that if I'm in front of little old church ladies, 70 years old, or if I'm in front of a bunch of young living distributors, or if I'm in front of a, a bunch of CEOs or a bunch of bankers, I know that, all right, I'm going to do these little vignettes. I'm going to tie them together with these little transitions, and that's going to be my presentation. And see, because you can be compelling two to four minutes at a time, Right. You can even even True. an amateur can be compelling when you tell a story about something hilarious that happened at the bar last weekend or with your friends last Saturday. You can tell those stories to, in a compelling way, two to four minutes at a time. Ask somebody to do it for an hour and people freak out. But I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, all I'm right. I mean, most people say, "No, no, 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 no way I could speak for an hour, not in a million years." Hey, hey, hey. Do it two to four minutes at a time and then repeat that, you know, 30 times. Um, and, and, and so that's compelling. And then, of course, the last one is charisma. And that's the X factor. That's something that, uh, I don't know, maybe, our, maybe I could teach or maybe I couldn't. It's, it's, it's the thing that, that uh, you know, you walk into that room and people know you showed up. Um, and I think that only really comes from the first having that confidence uh, uh, in your material. Is, is being able to stand in front of a room and, and really own that room. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the X, X factor that uh, you're going to have to develop, you know, uh, on the inside 
is that charisma. So once again, it's, it's confidence, it's competence, it's being compelling, it's having charisma. And if you have those four, um, man, you are on your way because most presenters that I see, even at a professional level, I mean, we're talking folks that are getting paid thousands of dollars an hour to speak. You know, they might have I know. three out of the four. You know, they might have three yeah. out of the four. Very few have four out of the four. And, and, and um, you know, I'm constantly in the process of making sure or trying to make sure that I do have four out of the four, um, you know, to make sure that my, my people and my audiences um, don't put me in that category of, oh, man, well, he was just okay. You know, I guess on to the next thing. So hopefully that helps. It does help. And it's, uh, okay, so now you got me on two other thoughts. All right. So one is, all right, so these little mini stories. There's some really classic uh, presenters. Most of them have been in MLMs. Um, and one is just, he's just fascinated with how people work. Bob Proctor, if you if you get a chance to search on YouTube and find some old, old, old Bob Proctor stuff, Mm-hmm. He can talk about he if you notice he talks about the same thing he did back in the sixties and seventies as he does today. It's just sure. instead of having the Coke bottle glasses like he did back then, now they're more attractive. <laughs> but right. you know, he talks about the same thing, you know, and so like that kind of goes back into, you know, his confidence and competence. He just keeps working on the same thing and if you know if you really follow him, you know that he basically talks about the same thing, but then he brings in little mini stories along with that and then interjects or throw something out or something like that. Um, right. Jim Rohn was phenomenal. He has a bunch of great sure. little stories. Uh, Zig Ziglar, phenomenal mm-hmm. with a bunch of little stories. Phenomenal. And so, you know, it makes perfect sense with the Mark Twain analogy with, yeah, just throw a bunch of little stories in because that's what we really love is the little stories yeah. and how you tie your little stories together. And it's, right. It's, it, it's phenomenal. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, if you become a student of these, these you know, uh, giants of the industry, you're talking Jim Rohn, you're talking Bob Proctor, you're talking, you know, I, I love Tony Robbins and, 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 Tony and Robbins, all the greats, yeah. the Zig Ziglar's, the Dale Carnegie's, all that. If you listen to enough of their material over the course of, like you said, years, um, you'll realize that all they're doing is they've perfected these little vignettes. And, yeah, sometimes they're 15-minute stories. You know, don't get me wrong. They're not all just two minutes. But – if you listen to enough of their podcasts or their audio books or their CDs, you'll realize, oh, that's all, all they're doing is they're teaching this story for this point. And the same story might have three different, ten different angles that you can teach or train from, right? And so when I'm yep. listening to these podcasts and I'm listening to Tony Robbins, you know, teach from one of his books, I've heard that story in another book. And I say, oh, man, I love this story. This is great. And then, and then I, <laughs> yeah. I, I see it in a new way all over again, right? And so even the pros, even the Tony Robbins of the world, what they're doing is they're finding the content that's compelling, and they'll, they'll, they'll sprinkle that in in the right environment, in the right speech, in the right seminar that, that will get you uh, to the next level, right? And so there's no secret sauce, um, and, you know, and, and, and the real good motivational speakers, I think we, we welcome it because we realize that there are more than enough gigs to go around. If the ultimate goal is to help people change their life, I want you to come and be, be part of my industry too, you know. Come and, 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 
and share your message from the stage because you can share that in a way that I certainly can't. Um, you know, so what I'm saying is it's, it's not as far away as you think it is when you're going to get up there on stage and you're going to present to thousands of people all over the country as a diamond presenter or a producer. It's not, it's not that far away um, if you just learn some of these simple skills of how we do it as pros. Um, and we're, you know, we're more than willing, willing to, to help people along that because I think it's a great way to, uh, to make an impact in the world. I agree. You know, and we always have a international convention in the summer. And the first one I went to was about six years ago, five or six years ago. And every time I met somebody, say a gender was introduced me or whatever, the question, and this is, I don't know if this is a young living thing or just everybody's thing, but it just, I noticed in the young living thing, it's, everyone always asks you, so what's your story? I mean, everyone always has a, a story behind the reason why they decided to do the business side of it. Most of them, sure. are, you know, it's health or, you know, maybe they had a chance to rearrange their finances, uh, free up some free time. That everyone has a story. And then to go on top of that, you looking at your four C's like, well, okay, so I can do repetition and I can know my material and, you know, I can figure out the audience, but that charisma thing is kind of scary. My thought is charisma comes with your story and then how passionate you, you are about your story and then how that affected you. Because when you share how things that affected you and you portray that, that passion, boom, there's the charisma right there. Cause everyone's well said. drawn into you going, yeah, I want to know your story. Cause that's, yeah, that's why I'm here. Well said, well said. Cause I, I think, you know, that doesn't take, um, telling your story doesn't take you being a professional entertainer like I am, right? It's your story. You've probably told it 10,000 times already, but it, was, it just wasn't with a microphone in front of an audience. It was with you and your family or your friends or in the car, right? Right. But you telling that story is, is, is um, you know, you don't have to be Celine Dion. You don't have to be Tony Robbins. Um, you're right. I totally agree. No, but I mean, you look at the, even those two, they start talking about something they're passionate about. You can see the charisma come right out there. They showed mm-hmm. up. They want to, they want to share their message. Right. Right. You know, and that, that's why uh, testimonials in general are so powerful is that, is that uh, many times it's not rehearsed. It's from the heart. You get up and you, you know, I'm in young living because it changed my life this way. And you tell him that story. It may not be the most polished thing in the world, but but people are talking about it in the hallways because it was real, it was authentic, it was you. And that's a great Absolutely. Start, you know? So, absolutely. We're getting near the top of the hour, Mark. Is there any other things you want to touch on or there's any other events or how to get a hold of you to do presentations? You know, um, I, just, I just think uh, I think it's, it's, it's great that, that – uh, um, the people that are involved in your organization are doing something about it. You know, do, what, what is, what is, doing something about what? Doing something about your life. You know, doing something about, uh, you know, hey, maybe Taking I don't. Taking charge life. Right. I'm not, I'm not necessarily um, going to be content or I'm not going to settle for what my life is now. I want more. And one of the ways to do that is to engage with you. Another way to do that is, is to be on this call right now. You're investing in yourself. You're, you're uh, putting the time in on your off hours. 
to get yourself to the next level, whatever that is, you know. And so as long as people continue to do that, um, once again, there's repetition again. As long as you repeat that process of engaging in self-improvement and, you know, getting close to you, Monty, and your trainers in this organization to, to get yourself to the next level, gosh darn it. I mean, organizations like this are probably pursuing their passions and doing something about it at a higher percentage or level than most audiences I speak to. Um, <laughs> so that's right. I mean, I that's certainly a feel it. Yes. Fair truth. Right. Um, yeah. So hats off to you guys, you know, um, you know, so, so, so I don't, I don't really know. I don't, you know, I hope that people come out on May 2nd and, and hear the full version of our talk that uh, has, has been, been creating some buzz around the country. Um, like I said, we wrote a book about that as well. And, and uh, hopefully uh, folks can benefit from that with some of those tools in their hands. Um, but I really, I really think that, man, if my passion talk and my passion book is helping people in their lives all over the country now, imagine if you got it in your hands, if you got the playbook to find and ignite that passion and implement it in your life. Imagine if your people got it. Oh, my goodness. It, it will be on fire. So – well, I'm excited. May 2nd. Come I'm on. excited to create the whole new society. Passionate people. What a fun crowd. Yeah. Those are the fun Well, this is the most around, fun right? part of the, the call, Mark, is I unmute the call and everybody says goodnight to you. So let me unmute here. All right. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you very much. We enjoyed it. Good night. Good night. You're a Thanks, Good night, Thank you. 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 Thank you.